Welcome to Educators Unplugged, bridging the gap between the books and real life. I'm your host, April Zalaki. Joining me today is Dr. Teresa Robinson from Elmhurst University. Thanks for joining me today, Teresa. Thank you for having me. I am so excited today to talk about the Noyce Grant um, through Elmhurst uh, that College of DuPage has with Elmhurst University. We started working on this a couple of years ago now, and it's been quite the journey. It has. I think, yes. So first, do you want to introduce yourself and what you do at Elmhurst? Yeah, sure. I am the director of secondary education at Elmhurst. I'm the principal investigator for the Robert Noyce STEM teaching scholarship program at Elmhurst University. I've been there for 11 years in this role. I'm a former high school STEM teacher, specifically biology teacher. Um, But at Elmhurst University, I am responsible for making sure that the next generation of teachers uh, gets into the workforce successfully. Excellent. So you're helping all of those students that have all these exciting ideas of teaching. You're helping bring that all to life. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, thank you for what you do at Elmhurst. We are thankful to have you as a partner. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what the Noise Grant is? The Noise Grant is it's an exciting opportunity for me to shepherd in the next generation of STEM teachers. The it's a National Science Foundation grant. Robert Noyce was a physicist. He was a real person who uh, dedicated his career to advancing. Um, science and math education. So although he was a physicist, he uh, and his family found created a foundation to support science education. He was interested in ensuring that the next generation of scientists would be developed, and he knew that that would happen in pre-K through 12 schools. So... Eventually, oh, foresight there. He it was that, yeah. it was actually, and uh, eventually through an act of Congress, mo- act of Congress, money was set aside. It's don't quote me, but it's been at least twenty years now that the oh. uh, United States Congress has allocated this money specifically to address the need for STEM teachers, especially in high-need schools where children are in schools where there are not enough STEM teachers. And we see that happening more now since COVID, when there was a mass exodus and retirement of teachers who left the field because they were of retirement age. And um, teachers who who left the field because of the difficulties during that time. So we are actually in, in need of more STEM teachers. So this program is was created with with this day in mind. So could you tell me a little bit about why the Noyce grant will be so helpful to students, um, especially students who are interested in teaching, you know, the math and science fields. This this program is essential, um, especially in the economic times that we're living in, and the cost of living has skyrocketed. Um, the cost of education it has increased, and this scholarship provides up to fifteen thousand dollars in scholarship funds, which at Elmhurst University is all of the unmet need for a student who has a financial aid package. So if a student has financial aid, this scholarship 
can cover all of their unmet need. Wow. Um, that is huge. That relieves the pressure of needing to work outside of of your going to your classes, which many students we're finding now are are going to school, they're helping their families out, they're working, they're caring for siblings, and this this scholarship relieves that economic factor from students, and that that opens them up to be able to study without consideration of how they're going to pay their tuition. Um, that's huge. Absolutely, that's a huge advantage for students to be able to not have to face that it is. tuition bill. It is. And once they learn about the federal programs that are already in place for teachers up to $17,000, actually it's $17,500 that can be paid back for teaching in a high-need school up to five years that the federal government— now that program has been in place for many years, so there's sure. there's always been loan forgiveness for teachers. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is, uh, you know, just an exciting opportunity because you don't have to worry about doing that later or taking care of it or remembering no. to no. apply for that, you know. Absolutely. This is a, a great chance for students to be able to pursue something that they love to do, um, math and science fields, um, and then being able to do it in an, affor- in an affordable manner is, is really important. Affordability is, 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 I think, essential for students. I see that as a huge need. Mm-hmm. And then the support that they get when they come into the, the program. There's advisors. There's the other students who understand what you're going through as someone who's majoring in science or math and education. Because when they go over to the science department, most of their colleagues are studying to be doctors or research scientists or going to industry. And that understanding isn't quite there. Some people will challenge their their decision like why would you want to be a teacher right you know yes we um, hear this a lot we hear that all the time you know but who's gonna teach the next generation of people that are going to be scientists right someone has to do it and if you're if you're interested um this grant provides that support that you're going to need because it's also a, a an emotional uh, social support that they get with the scholarship program. Someone who understands what they're going through. I, I understand. I was the, I, I was like them mm-hmm. as a college student. And sure. when I was in college, there was two of us in a probably a class of 300. Wow. And we stuck together because wow. our love for science is there, but we also love the idea of teaching it to someone else. Sure. Yeah, that's... That's the key, right? It is. Identifying those students that love math and science, they can share that love yes. with with the kids in the classroom. That's important. Very important. Um, could you tell me a little bit about teaching in a high-needs school? I know a lot of my students shut down when they hear mm-hmm. that, um, and I think that there's a lot of misunderstandings yeah. about this topic. So could you just explain that That's for a little bit? That's a good question, and it's something, you know, it's sad that we have these trigger words that when we hear high-needs, typically right. students think urban. Yes. Um, that's not the federal or noise definition of sure. high needs. And even if it was, urban schools need teachers also. Right. But that's that's a separate, we're not here to talk right. about urban <laughs> education. But high needs means um, that there is a need um, based on the socioeconomic status of the students. And there's a misconception that those students don't live in suburbs. 
Sure. And they do. I agree. Um, that's that's number one. Yeah. So high needs could be that the socioeconomic status of the, of the population of students, they're living on free and or reduced mm-hmm. um, lunch. And people will be surprised at how many students are on reduced lunch or free lunch. Um, the other characteristic is, is that their school doesn't have enough teachers in the subject area to fill all the positions. So there's unfilled positions. So there are some statistics at the Illinois State Board of Education that says that in a high-need school, there might be one chemistry teacher for 2,000 students. Wow. So that's a teacher shortage. Sure. Um, So everyone is probably... Uh, n- not going to get an opportunity to have chemistry. Sure. Or um, they may have a teacher who isn't licensed. So the other another reason or another characteristic of a high-need school is that teachers who are teaching outside of their licensure area, that happens because someone has to be there for the children. Right. So um, it could be a teacher is teaching outside of their licensure area. Yeah. That is also high-needs. So are there high-need schools in DuPage County? There there are. Um, please don't ask me the names of those school no, districts. No. I don't want to say that. I'm not. No, no, no. But there are. Um, some of them are partners um, sure. in, in the noise grant because we partnered with community colleges, right. and we also partnered with local high schools. So two of our local high schools are high-need schools, right. and they are in what we call a suburban environment. Absolutely. So hopefully we can start to break down this misconception that it's only the inner city schools and all of that. Um, Because I think that once people can kind of get over that and Mm -hmm. realize what an amazing opportunity this is, that, you know, we can start to see some more traction. There are more schools than we think that are considered high needs. And even if they are not categorized, now our program through NSF is to uh, provide more students for those, more teachers, excuse me, for those high-need schools. However, when you go into the schools, um, the students who get overlooked sometimes are are in need of teachers also. Right. We know teachers fill so many roles, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yes. Confidant, mm-hmm. role model, counselor, right? <laughs> you all know, kinds of things. <laughs> all kinds of things that teachers, you know, roles that teachers play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think teaching is the best career in the, the world. Of course, I'm biased, but um, some students know that that's just what they want to do. Right. And sometimes they're talked out of it in the higher, higher ed, yes. in secondary schools, I'll say. Absolutely. The elementary teachers, I don't know, I find them a little, they're like, I know I want to be an elementary teacher. They're just going to do that. <laughs> right. For high school, um, sometimes they're kind of talked out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll get emails Every year at the end of the year, and someone will say, oh, you know, I always wanted to be a teacher, but my mom mm. said, or sure. my professor said, or my right. teacher said. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know, you know, so I, I look at it sometimes as, I'm going to say this, and then I'll tell you why, but like community service to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you even give three to five years of your time, um, to give back to American public education, it's it's worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, as a secondary person, we always have our degree. 
Right. Absolutely. (laughs) You're going to have a history degree. You're going to have a political science degree, biology, chemistry, physics, art, music. Right. So you can always go back to industry. Absolutely. Um, And I know teachers who were in industry Mm -hmm. decided they didn't want to do corporate America and then came to teaching and they're fulfilled. Absolutely. So sometimes I think it's helping students understand that, Yes, we need to make a living, but sometimes we also need to be fulfilled as people and as humans, right? right? It's tough work being a teacher. It's not easy. I don't want anyone to be disillusioned. But, you know, when I when I die and I'm in my casket, they'll say she was a teacher. That's just That's what right. I'm going to do. That's right. And there are students out there who want to do that. Yes. But I think we, we need to change the narrative around teaching mm-hmm. and disparaging the profession. Yes. It's always going to be hard. We'll never, we don't punch a clock. So we're never going to be paid right. for the time that we put, you know, in. But That's right. I get to impact the lives of students, children, families, parents. Mm-hmm. I just, I like schools. So, I mean, I think it's it's what we do to encourage the next generation that you can be fulfilled, you know. Now, for me, it's STEM. Yeah, for me, it's STEM. Sure. You know, because there's a lot of money to be made in industry. <laughs> as sure. Someone with a degree, let's be honest, you know, <laughs> that you can make. But um, the other myth that exists about teaching, especially to STEM teaching, you know, I'm a college professor. My sister who teaches makes more money than I do. Sure. Yeah. That's, well, that's certainly a, a thing, isn't it? It, it, is. it is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. Well, I think I want to go back for one second to something you said about, you know, the people that knew they wanted to be elementary teachers forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually part of the issue that we face is that students are kids are elementary students first, right? They have right. the longest exposure to being elementary teachers. It isn't until they're high school students that they realize, oh, you could teach math or you could right. teach science. And by then they've already developed serious feelings about Absolutely. those subjects, right? That's true. And so somehow we have to break this down a little bit so that they you know, see that they can really teach, you know, any any subject that's exciting to them mm-hmm. earlier on, mm-hmm. you know. That's true. I don't know. It was just something I've been thinking about for a little while. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's true. That's an interesting point that you make. I really hadn't thought about it that way, but you do have more experience and for longer with elementary. Right. So, yes. yeah, I think the there's this, this fear sometimes of the students Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's like the high school students, they're like, oh, I, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you have the patience? Right. Um, I think everyone, for me, when I came in, I kind of understand that pathway sure. because I didn't come in saying I want to be a teacher as in as a high school teacher. So you're, right. I think you're absolutely, you've hit the mark with that. Yeah. But it's something that happens for people or students that's a moment. And for me, it was earning grades of C in some of my science classes. Uh And I was just confident and arrogant enough at 18 (laughs) to think that they were not teaching right. (laughs) Sure. Sure. So I went and took an education course just to see what it was like, what it was about. 
And we read Jonathan Kozel's Savage Inequalities. Ah, yes. And it was after that I went to talk to the professor afterwards, and I, I went and added secondary education as a, wow. as a major. So a lot of secondary people don't come into it. Yeah. It's usually some moment or they've been thinking about it or something happens. Maybe they have a— Sister, brother, maybe that's had struggles in school, and they're like, I want to be a teacher. Like, there's something that happens. Something has to happen, right? Something has to happen. Yeah. It's something we'll have to, yeah, something we'll have to maybe explore further at another time, because I think that we maybe could do something. So can you walk me through what it would be for a student who is interested in the pathway. I know here at College of DuPage, you know, they would start with like Education 1100 that first semester. Uh, We'd help advise them, get them on the pathway um, in the two plus two in either math, science, you know, with a concentration in either chemistry, biology, physics. Um, What does it look like once they get done with their two years at College of DuPage? What happens then? So it it can be a, a, a maze of a, of a process, <laughs> and what happens is they would apply for admission to Elmhurst University. That's step one. Apply for admission to Elmhurst University. Sure. The part that gets tricky for students is that they need to apply, step two, for admission to the teacher education program. Uh, so if they transfer, they're probably doing that at the same time. Right? Okay. So Are they separate applications? They're separate applications. Okay. All right. They're Very separate good. Applications. So apply to Elmhurst University. Step two, apply to the teacher education program. Okay. That requires that you have a criminal background check because that's a state requirement for teachers. So okay. you get a criminal background check. Sure. And you submit that and some other re- letters of recommendation. Um, it's a form. So you you okay. send it to someone who's trusted professor and they fill out the form and send it back in. Perfect. Uh, your grades uh, for like an English 106 type course. We have a director of admissions. He's wonderful. He's a former middle school teacher and oh, middle excellent. school principal. <laughs> oh, wow. And he holds <laughs> students' hands through the process. And okay. he even takes paper if you don't want to do things right. electronically. <laughs> take things by paper. It's very accommodating <laughs> okay. um, in that way. So that's step okay. two, admission to the teacher ed program. Mm-hmm. And step three, if you are a STEM major mm-hmm. and you're interested in teaching, then you would fill out that supplemental application for the Noise STEM Scholars Program. Sure. And you, there's a, a separate Letter of recommendation. Okay. So I should say in, in addition to. Sure. But you can ask the same people, or you only need one letter of recommendation. There's a small 500-word uh, biographical sketch of why you're interested in being a STEM teacher and, and your desire to serve um, in communities that where you're needed. Okay. And uh, your interview, the interview is very informal. Okay. And it's just really to ensure that you are wanting to do this, committed to wanting to do this, um, so that we're um, know that we're investing in you and you're going to see it through. Absolutely. And then um, we have someone who was on our team from the chemistry department. Mm-hmm. Once you're into all of that, we're going to counsel and make sure that you have your courses sequenced for the next two years. Perfect. Have them mapped out, even if it changes, but at least you have a plan of what courses you're going to take. Sure. And you start getting into your courses. And because I'm the 
principal investigator, you'll get my cell phone number. Not everyone gets my cell phone number, so noise scholars get my cell phone number. And if they need something, you know, or, I, you know, I text them, how are you doing, checking in. But um, that's it. And it, it happens rather quickly, but there are lots of little steps. Um, okay. As we know, in te- with education, there's lots of paperwork. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, the I think for me, something that I love about this program is just the personalization yes. that it really gives to students. So, you know, students now post-COVID don't really want to go far away from home. And so Elmhurst seems like the perfect opportunity for them. To I think it's close. a great campus. We are recognized as an arboretum. Oh, it's, wow. I yes, didn't know that. We, okay, yes, we cool. are. So for the biology people out there, you'll okay. love it. It's beautiful this time of year. Awesome. Um, the metro, the public transportation is within walking distance, straight awesome. shot to downtown Chicago for any events. And then Elmhurst, the town is just a nice, quaint town with nice little shops and things to do. Cool. So it's a, it's beautiful this time of year. Excellent. Okay, so now we're going to move to a segment I call Teaching Realities. <laughs> so could you please share something you weren't taught about teaching in college, but that you wish you knew? That's a great question. And I, I attended and completed my teacher education at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, which was a teaching school. It was founded as a teacher's college. Sure. Little known fact, we have the largest archive of Dewey. Really? Um, yes. <laughs> John Dewey. Artifacts <laughs> wow. at, okay. at, at Southern Illinois University. And my education was pretty classical, okay. very traditional. Um, we learned a lot of the theory. Sure. We learned a lot of the, the classics. I mean, j- j- you, you're going to leave there and just know and being doing it. Right. Sure. You're going to leave <laughs> believing in mm-hmm. constructivism. You're going to understand uh, democracy and education, you know, his book. So sure. I learned all of those things. And when I took my first teaching job, one thing that I learned was that those theories were great. And, and I think they carried me a long way. Um, sure. And I think it, they were foundational. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I did not get was an understanding of culture, race, and the impact that those variables had on the system, uh, education as a system. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, I did not read Gloria Latson Billings, Mm -hmm. uh, The Dream Keepers. Mm -hmm. We did not read Greg Mitchie, um, Holler If You Hear Me, Lisa Delpit, other people's children who were writing about culturally relevant pedagogy. Right. Um, how to teach science using content area literacy, reading and writing and STEM. I didn't learn any of that. So sure. my first time out teaching, you know, I was just, hey, you just got to know <laughs> these facts. You know, I don't care how you get it. Right. It's just, I mean, I was a good teacher, but I think that's something I didn't. I didn't learn that because my, my education was very, what we would call, I think, classical and traditional. Absolutely. It was good education. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the next thing I'm going to ask you is a uh, to share a tip for teachers. So what would you like to share as a tip for future educators? My tip for teachers is to um, center your wellness. Uh I think it's important, especially for high-achieving teachers who 
you know, are just driven to do what's best for their students at all costs is to, you know, activate your senses. That means, you know, don't overeat, but, you know, taste something good, you know, light a candle, listen to music, to recharge yourself. Because one thing that I was taught by one of my my former science educators as I was learning to be a teacher because I said to her I was like why am I so tired Mm, I don't understand I said I'm just in there teaching and you know as a science person it was a you know each interaction with the student (laughs) is exchanging energy and so you've had exponentially all these blah 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 blah." and I thought well of course for me that made sense I said that's why so teaching is, is exhausting work because of the not just the um, physical labor of actually setting up experiments and getting materials, but the emotional labor of answering calls, dealing with parents, you know, your administrator, your principal. So I would say to all new teachers is to make sure that you center your wellness and make sure that you're doing the things to take care of yourself. Excellent. I think that's a fantastic tip. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. I want to thank Dr. Teresa Robinson for joining me today. I appreciate her sharing all the insight about noise. And I hope that you will join me for my next episode where I interview Dr. Karen Ladendorf and Shannon Delgado from College of DuPage, my partners in crime and my fellow full-time faculty in education. 